We're in the third sermon of the series that we have been in the past three weeks on Not My People, the relationship between the gospel and politics. First week, we talked about what the past looked like in this country and how we need to take a position of mourning and repentance for where we are. Last week, we talked about the future government in which there would be no end, and the government and peace of Christ would reign over all forever. Well, this Sunday, we're going to try to complete that arc as we talk about what the present looks like today. Now, I want to ask you, as much as you can, and I know this is difficult, as much as you can, put your biases of the Republican and Democratic parties aside for just a second. I know that's difficult to do. And I want you to hear what I say, not as attacking your candidate or attacking your party, but as trying to give a biblical reference for where we are right now. And I think one of the worst things that could happen in this election season is not that Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton would be elected president. I think the worst thing that could happen is that friendships that have stood the test of time for generations would be divided over who becomes the president. And I believe that's a great, great perilous temptation for us. And so I I want you to hear what I say this morning in in love. If you get mad at me, that's okay. Know that we'll still be friends regardless of who wins this election or who loses it. Now having said that, I'd like to offer some friendly suggestions. 2 Samuel chapter 24 and beginning in verse 10, the context is David has counted the people when God told him not to count the people. And this is his result. Verse 10, David's heart struck him after he had numbered the people. And David said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly in what I have done. But now, O Lord, please take away the iniquity of your servant, for I have done very foolishly. And when David arose in the morning, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Gad, David's seer, saying, Go and say to David, Thus says the Lord, three things I offer you. Choose one of them, that I may do it to you. So Gad came to David and told him and said to him, Shall three years of famine come to you in your land? Or will you flee three months before your foes while they pursue you? Or shall there be three days pestilence in your land? Now consider and decide what answer I shall return to him who sent me. Then David said to Gad, I am in great distress. Let us fall into the hand of the Lord, for his mercy is great." But let me not fall into the hand of man. So the Lord sent a pestilence on Israel from the morning until the appointed time, and there died of the people from Dan to Beersheba 70,000 men. And when the angel stretched out his hand toward Jerusalem to destroy it, the Lord relented from the calamity and said to the angel who was working destruction among the people, It is enough. Now stay your hand. And the angel of the Lord was by the threshing floor of Arana, the Jebusite. Then David spoke to the Lord when he saw the angel who was striking the people and said, Behold, I have sinned and have done wickedly, but these sheep, what have they done? Please let your hand be against me and against my father's house. And Gad came that day to David and said to him, Go up, raise an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Arana the Jebusite. So David went up at Gad's word as the Lord commanded. And when Arana looked down, he saw the king and his servants coming on toward him. And Arana went out and paid homage to the king with his face to the ground. And Arana said, Why has my lord the king come to his servant? David said, To buy the threshing floor from you, in order to build an altar to the Lord, that the plague may be averted from the people. 
Then Arana said to David, Let my lord the king take and offer up what seems good to him. Here are the oxen for the burnt offering, and the threshing sledges, and the yokes of the oxen for the wood. All this, O king Arana, Arana gives to the king. And Arana said to the king, May the Lord your God accept you. But the king said to Arana, No, but I will buy it from you for a price. I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God that cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. And David built there an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord responded to the plea for the land, and the plague was averted from Israel. And so David commits a grievous sin. He counts the people when God told him, I already have the people counted for you, you don't need to do that. And as a result of David's sin, God says there's going to be three things that are going to happen. You take the pick, choice A, choice B, or choice C, the red pill, the blue pill, or the green pill, your call. Do you want three years of famine? Do you want three months of invasion? Or do you want three days of plague? And David says, Lord, I'll take the plague option, but more than that, I want to throw myself on the mercy of God. Because I would rather be in the hands of the Lord than trust in the hand of man. And David does that. And then when he goes to make a sacrifice before the Lord, and Arana, one of his citizens, offers to give him that land, he says in verse 24, no, but I will buy it from you for a price. I will not offer burnt offering to the Lord my God that cost me nothing. David said, I will not ask God to bless my country without being willing to pay the price. And so the Lord responded to the plea for the land, and the plague was averted from Israel. I think there's some parallels for where we are today. I don't know about you, but at least in my lifetime, and I was born right after Reagan was elected for his second term at the end of 84, and I've studied a lot more elections than that. I haven't lived them, but I've studied them. This, to me, is the most disappointing election season I think this country has faced in generations. The rhetoric on both sides has not been representative of the greatness of this country. And more than that, it has not been representative of the God we claim to serve. But let me ask you something. When you ask God to bless America, or when you sing, God bless America, why should he? Why should God honor a country who refuses to honor him? We do it in a lot of different ways. We talk about killings in our streets, we don't talk about all the terminated pregnancies, millions and millions of them in this country. We talk about people being busy, and I don't know exactly what a New Testament church looks like, but I'm pretty sure it doesn't look like the weekend distraction between the ball games. I'm pretty sure it doesn't look like something that's lived on the periphery and doing your own thing every day of the week. And so when you ask God to bless America with where we are right now, why should he? We see this even in the, the, the candidates where we have. 
We're, we're not willing to pay the price. Consider the, the choices that we have. When Donald Trump tells you that he's going to make America great again, what does that even mean? Because I've been to Ellis Island and I've seen the Statue of Liberty and what it says is, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses. It's been a lighthouse for generations that people would come in. Listen to how Trump talks about immigration. I'm not saying we shouldn't have secure borders. Obviously we should. But when you talk about banning people based on strictly racial, ethnic, religious profiling, which reverses everything the First Amendment stands for, you better understand that if they can ban Muslims, they can one day ban Christians too. And I promise you, they will. We talk about all the problems at the border. There were more shootings in Chicago over the summer than there were at the border all of last year. We got a bigger problem inside this country than we do outside of this country. The problem's not without, but within. And so when you take on Hillary Clinton's campaign motto and you declare, I'm with her, what exactly are you with her on? Are you with her on her support of Planned Parenthood, videos of which last year showed aborted fetuses being sold by that organization to other organizations? Are you with her when Cecile Richards, the president of Planned Parenthood, sat in Bill Clinton's box when she received the Democratic nomination? What are you with her on? See, when the Statue of Liberty is compared to Donald Trump's immigration proposers and when Hillary Clinton is a candidate who openly, openly supports Planned Parenthood, I think that tells you a lot about what you need to know about the state of this election. And so some of you say, well, if you can't vote for the candidate, then you need to vote for the party platform because of the Supreme Court and other things that take place. And I totally understand where you're coming from, and I see some legitimacy to that argument, but can I just ask you something? What in either of these candidates' lives makes you think that what they say can be trusted? What makes you think you can believe either of them? Donald Trump's reversed nearly every position he once held in public life, most within the last five years. Doesn't the scripture say a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways? Your yes should be yes and your no should be no. Hillary Clinton conveys this attitude that she is somehow above the law. That there's, there's one standard for the Clinton and then there's another standard for the rest of the United States. See, this is what Jesus experiences, I think, in the third temptation when Satan comes to him and he says, I will give you all of the kingdoms of this world if you will simply get down on your knees and worship me. And I think these candidates come to us and they say, I will give you what you want as long as you will cast your ballot. Jesus says no. And the reason he says no is because he believes that the promises of God are much better than the lies of the devil. You know, for the last generation, candidates on both sides have promised believers all sorts of things. They promise us Christian platforms, they promise us Christian policies, they promise us Christian principles, and sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. We seem to fall for it quite a bit. We know that government 
is not created as a bad thing, but as a good thing. We have a biblical responsibility for government. We know that. The goal of government is to keep the peace, to bear the sword when necessary, to promote the common good, but it'll always be an imperfect union due to the fallenness of man. And my fear is that many of us in this room are more concerned about who's going to become president than we are about following the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Because if you can get more fired up about the election season than you can about the Scripture, something's not right in your heart. We've got to consider the pitfalls of what takes place throughout the Scripture. Philippians 4.8 tells us, whatsoever things are just, lovely, honest, of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. We know that God, man looks on the outside, but God looks on the heart. And so the Scripture says quite a bit about character matters mattering in the kingdom of God. I remember so many pastors and preachers who I loved and respected as, as a teenager were talking about what was taking place while Bill Clinton was being impeached. I remember sitting with my pastor. He was in our living room. He came. He didn't have a television in his house, so he came to watch President Clinton's apology speech over having the affair, lying about it. And, and I remember looking at my pastor during this to see some guidance from him, and I didn't see anger on his face. I just saw disappointment. And I heard many believers from then on say that character matters both publicly and privately. That if someone's spouse can't trust them, how can the country be expected to trust them? We've got a candidate right now who openly boasts of his sexual exploits whether it's in Playboy magazine or a regular interview. And I've just got to ask you, those of you who supported Bill Clinton's impeachment and opposed his presidency, but now support Donald Trump, what changed for you between now and then? If you're arguing that character matters. Listen, I know we're not voting for a pastor. We don't even have to vote for a Christian today but you'd better vote for a person of character. And I have a hard time seeing in either Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton, either one, any sign of repentance, any sign of humility, which is one of the greatest character traits that a leader can have. Can I just ask you something? I, I think we're in the same position as, as David is here, where he says, whatever you pick, it's going to be the judgment of God. I, I really believe that that's true. Would any of you want either of these candidates as role models for your kids? Would you want your grandkids to turn out like this? In so many ways, I, I wish the nomination tickets had been reversed because Tim Kaine on one side and Mike Pence on the other, I think would both be worthy candidates of this election season. But I have a hard time being tossed back and forth how, how we can support either of these candidates. And if you say I've got my reasons one way or another, I understand and I, I trust that you're seeking the Lord on that. Some of you would come out and you say, well, it's a, it's a sin not to vote, isn't it? I used to think so. I preached that from the pulpit. Somebody says you have to choose the lesser of two evils, don't you? Do you? I want you to think about this. Let's put the person who hopefully we would all vote for Let's put Jesus on one end, the greatest person who ever lived, Satan on the other end, the representation of all evil, 
and everybody else who's ever lived, about 20 billion people have lived on this earth by one estimate. Everybody else is in between. So if you're a fan of, of Washington and Lincoln, they're on the good end. They're not up to Jesus' level. Nobody is, but they're on the good end. On the bad end would be Hitler and Stalin. And by the way, I'm not comparing either of the candidates to Hitler or Stalin, although I do believe abortion is the modern-day Holocaust. I believe that with everything I've got. And so somewhere in between, you have to decide where is the line for you? Most of us in this room, if we've got a choice between Hitler and Stalin, we're probably going to have a hard time picking. And that's not the choice that we have. But somewhere along that line, you are going to have to decide at what point someone is disqualified on your personal character and competence scale. At what point do they not measure up to how you believe someone should hold elective office. And obviously that's different for every person in this room, but you, you have to consider it. And here's what you've really got to consider. Not only is where that line for you, but if you have serious misgivings about either of these candidates, you have to be careful. Because you think the danger would be missing out on the ballot box, what you've really got to watch is searing your conscience. And going against what God has placed in your heart, because the Bible describes that as one of the most grievous sins in Scripture. I don't know where that line is for you. All I can try to do is point you to God's Word. And so I want you to hear what I'm saying and what I'm not saying. I'm not telling you to vote for a candidate. I'm not telling you not to vote for a candidate. I think you need to consider these things through the lens of Scripture and really make this a matter of prayer. And here's what I want us to leave with. And please hear me out. If you're mad at me afterwards, that's okay. I, I love you anyway. But please hear me out. Regardless of how you do or do not vote, I want to urge you to do what David did. We need to plead for the mercy of God in this country. And we need to plead for it with everything that we've got. And then we need to be willing to pay the price. When we say, God bless America, we need to understand that we have to bless God. That we have to live for Him. What does that look like when we're willing to pay the price? That means when these doors are open, we are here, guys. We're here. We're not at a ball game. We're not doing all these other things. We're in the Lord's house, and we're not just here walking through the doors, throwing our stuff down and saying, okay, Lord, I've showed up. We've spent the night before praying, asking God to speak to us today. We've gotten enough sleep so that when we come in, we're prepared to hear the Word of God. We need to spend every single day. The very first thing that we do is we need to spend it in prayer as soon as we wake up. We need to pray about what's taking place in our day. We need to pray about everything that's going on in our church and in our country. We need to be in God's Word. And then we need to live every moment of every day, whatever place God has placed us, saying, how can I live for God? How can I bring Him glory? Because you think that the pastorate is the only calling, that this is the only calling, where you are is where God has called you. And as long as we're pointing fingers over who should or who shouldn't be elected, I think we're missing out that the people of God have to come together for such a time as this. You know, David was a man after God's own heart. David committed many grievous sins. But the one thing that David did over and over again was he knew how to repent. And he got on his knees and he said, God, regardless of the calamity that comes my way, I'm going to trust in you. He says, I won't offer anything that costs me nothing. 
I will offer him everything. Whether I cast my ballot for a Republican or for a Democrat, whatever God leads me to do, my all is on the altar for Christ. And I'm determined that when I leave this place, that the people of God will be united in seeking to reach the world for Him. He pleads for the mercy of God. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to the broadcast. If you found it helpful, please consider sharing it with your family and friends. For more information, check us out online at barryefields.com.